It is good to see each of you. If you're a guest, we're glad that you're with us this evening. We won't have slides this evening, but we hope you'll be opening your Bibles. We'll study a few different passages of introduction and then make our way to Hebrews, the 11th chapter. If you'd like to turn to Deuteronomy, the 30th chapter, that'll probably be the first passage that we'll look at, Deuteronomy 30. Or if you want to just wait for us in Hebrews 11, we'll be there in a few moments. Uh, I'd like to mention a couple of things that's probably uh, pretty important. This little coin purse, is, at least that's what it looks like, but actually it has medication in it, and it was found last Sunday. It was mentioned that it was found, uh, but uh, somebody is probably looking for this and needing this, and uh, because of the type of medications in it, we probably won't leave it up front. I'll just have it in my pocket, and if you know who that belongs to, let us know, or of course, if it's yours, uh, let me know, but we probably need to get that to somebody, so be keeping your eyes open uh, and thinking about if you know who owns that. Also, Uh, A little Kindle, I believe it is, was found in the auditorium this morning. We'll leave that there if you're missing that. Uh, That'll be up front. It's a wonderful, wonderful weekend and now the beginning today of a wonderful week. We're thankful for a group, uh, two buses that went and supported the inner city ministry at their fish fry Friday night. What a wonderful work that is. It's wonderful to have people uh, that will support that financially and what a blessing that is. Uh, A great spring egg hunt Saturday morning, a great... Young at Heart Banquet, Saturday night, and now today we get to spend the day together in Bible class and in worship together, and God is good to us. He's far better to us than what we deserve. We want to remind you that today is the last day to sign up for the father-daughter retreat that will take place Friday, Saturday, and I think it goes through Sunday also if you want no. Anyway, pick up this flyer and you'll see. There's a flyer out at the information center, and uh, it's either... You know what? It starts on Thursday. That's what's throwing me off. Usually it's Friday through Sunday, but it looks like it's Thursday through Saturday. And of course, not everybody will stay Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. It's one of those things, if you can get there on Friday, uh, it's very flexible in that way. We appreciate Clint McCullough and the great work he does of providing opportunities for uh, fathers and, and children to be together as he leads the men's ministry. And his mind is always churning of, of ideas and ways to support men. And we appreciate what he's doing. We appreciate our daughters. And we look forward to spending some time this weekend with them. And if you want to know more about that, you can ask Clint or you can pick up uh, information at the Welcome Center. Do keep in mind, as mentioned this morning, the plan from the beginning, the second quarter begins today. And uh, so these outlines of study uh, are available in the foyer And uh, we'll be picking up a little bit into the book of Exodus uh, this week. Now, with that in mind, I'd like for you to think this is a great time to jump in if you've kind of gotten off track. The first quarter went through primarily the book of Genesis. And so we had the the story of the the beginning of creation, Adam and Eve. And we studied about Noah and we studied about Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, the patriarchs, and then Joseph. And you know, a lot of chapters are covered with Joseph. But now we go into Exodus and we read about the children of Israel went down, of course, with Joseph. And they were treated royally until that Pharaoh died. And then they began uh, to be oppressed and eventually into slavery and so for hundreds of years they were enslaved there and God wanted to send a leader to lead them back. He wanted to give his people their land again, their Canaan's land. And so the story of Moses is a tremendous story in the Old Testament that takes up quite a bit of volume as you think about one man. 
For example, when you study the life of Moses, you study that in Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And and it's not that that's all about Moses, but his life is scattered throughout four books in the Old Testament. With that in mind, I hope that you'll jump back in and be a part of that study if, if you've lost your way in that study. Or if it's not that study, just make sure that you have something that you're studying daily, something that you're studying regularly in God's Word. It's great to have little devotional books, but don't ever allow a devotional book to take your place of studying straight out of the Word of God. We think about Moses. If we were going to list some of the greatest characters that would be simply our opinion, the greatest characters in the Scriptures, we couldn't go very deep into a list before we would have to say Moses was truly one of the greats. Your life is what? Your life is a result of the choices that you've made or how you have chosen to respond to the circumstances that you find yourself in. Let's say that again. Your life is a result of the choices that you make or how you choose to respond to the situations and the circumstances that you find yourself in. One of the reasons that we have to just fall in love with Moses as we study the life of Moses is because Moses did a very, very good job of making healthy life choices. Tonight, as we study Moses, I want you to observe that, but I want you to observe it from the standpoint of application. What is it that we can learn from Moses that we can apply to our life so that we too can say, my life is a result of healthy choices. I have a healthy spiritual life. I have a healthy mental health. I have a healthy spiritual life because of the choices that we have made. Look with me, if you will, to Deuteronomy, the 30th chapter, as we think for just a moment about choices. Deuteronomy. The 30th chapter, let's read in verse 19 and 20, and this is where God was, uh, Moses was pleading here with the people if they left God to return back to God. And, and we see in 19 and 20, think about opportunities and think about choices as we read 19 and 20. I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that I have set before you life and death. See, they're going to have to make a choice. I've set before you life and death. In other words, blessings and cursings. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. Your life choices will affect future generations. That's a sobering thought. And if you haven't thought about that lately, that's one you need to turn the radio off tomorrow as you're driving to work and you need to meditate upon that. You are affecting future generations. How are you affecting them? Look what he says in 20. That you may, this is the reason we choose life, that you may love the Lord your God. That's how we make good choices. That you may obey His voice. That's how we make good choices. That you may cling to Him for He is your life and the length of your days that you may dwell in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and give them. Think about to be able to say, I choose the Lord. I love the Lord. I obey the Lord. I cling to the Lord. And I do that for my life and to set a stage or an environment or a presence even for future generations to do that. You remember that the man who led after Moses was Joshua. You remember in Joshua, the 24th chapter, he said something very similar, but he used different words. Let's look at Joshua 24 and verse 15 and 16. And he stands before these people and he says, If it seems, this is Joshua 24, 15 and 16. You'll probably recognize this. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose 
for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in those lands you dwell. Now notice his decision. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So the people answered and said, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. And then even last Wednesday night in our men's leadership class that, that I was in, we looked at First Kings, the 18th chapter, and I can't help but go there since we're talking about the topics of choosing because I like the way he talks about falter here. Look at First Kings, the 18th chapter, if you will. You remember Ahab was a very wicked king and he led the, uh, the, the people in completely the wrong direction. And so by this time, there are 450 false prophets that worship Baal. And so... Elijah invites them to Mount Carmel and it's there that he says, okay, we're going to build an altar and we're going to find out who God reigns. And so there's going to be an altar with, with a sacrifice and there's going to be an altar here with a sacrifice. You cry out to your gods and you get your gods to light the fire and, and we'll see if your gods can do that. After you're finished, I'll cry out to my God and, and we'll see if he can, can light the sacrifice. And so they cried out all morning long until noon. They cut themselves, they danced, they did everything that they could and Elijah even mocked them a little bit and then you probably know them when... He was ready for him to call out to the Almighty God. He doused it three times with water. It was soaking in water, and he called down fire from God. And God not only burned the sacrifice, he burned the wood. He even burned the stones, and he had, the fire was so hot, it lapped up the water. Before all this was happening, Elijah was saying, you're going to have to make a choice. And I'm going to give you reason today to choose the Almighty God. Notice how he says this when we're reading the 18th chapter in verse 21. And Elijah came to all the people and said, How long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. But the people answered him not a word. Listen. You know it's too early for the invitation. But tonight, if you haven't made up your mind, tonight, if your life and your lips are saying nothing, you're already faltering. We have a decision to make. Are we going to serve the Almighty God or not? And if someone says, well, I just really haven't made up my mind. There's so much. We live in a wicked world. And after all, I don't want to be a hypocrite. Oh, we've already made a decision at that point. And if you're thinking, I hope you keep thinking. But we need to be aware of the fact that our life is a result of the choices we make. And whenever we haven't chose God, we are faltering between two opinions. And we, in essence, have already chosen a path opposite from God. Moses was an amazing man. Forty years in a palace, 40 years as a shepherd, 40 years leading the children of Israel, and he seemed to just over and over and over make good life choices. No, he wasn't perfect. We can find times that he made serious mistakes, but as a rule of thumb, he made great life choices. Now, we could study chapter upon chapter in the Old Testament to look at the life of Moses. And as we read in our study guide this week and the following weeks, we will see many of those chapters. But tonight, let's drop over to the book of Hebrews and let's see what was written thousands of years 
by inspiration what God would want us to know about Moses. Hebrews, the 11th chapter. Let's begin reading in Hebrews 11 and 23, and then we'll come back and capitalize on 24, 25, 26, and 27. But let's start in 23 by faith. This is Hebrews 11. It'll be about 1,069 on the Bible that's in your pew. 1,069. We're in Hebrews, the 11th chapter, verse 23. I'd like for you to think about life choices that Moses made. He made his choices by faith. That's what we're going to see over and over. It's by faith. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's commandments. So he had a heritage of faith. His parents did not make decisions based upon the fear of man, but their great and awesome respect of God. And so here's where we see some of the life choices of Moses here. Look in 24. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Esteeming, says a choice he made, was to esteem the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. For by faith he chose to forsake Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who who is invisible. Let's pause there for a moment. There's still a couple more verses. But what I'd like for you to see is that any time we live a life of faith, we're going to have to make life choices that accept some things and rejects other things, but it needs to always be based on faith. Sometimes... It's easy for us as fleshly people to make carnal and fleshly decisions. We must make decisions based upon being spiritual people. A new creation that the Lord has made us that we truly trust in what God has offered us. Moses trusted God even when he couldn't see it with his own eyes. That's why it's faith. Listen, if I can see it with my own eyes, it's not faith. Can I make decisions based off of faith? Well, what was the decision that he made? The first one that we see there in 24 is he made the decision, and it wasn't off of prestige. Can you imagine the prestige that he had when it says that when he came of age, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter? When you think about being recognized, as the grandson of Pharaoh. Who's that? The most powerful nation in the world at that time. Led by the most powerful man in that time. Most powerful man in the world would be called your grandfather. The most sophisticated world. A world that was full of some things that we have not even figured out today. Can you build a pyramid? We still don't know exactly how they did that. When you drop back to Acts the 7th chapter, we get an idea of some of the prestige, if you will, in the living that he would have experienced. This is where Stephen was given an account of Israel, and a historical account. And so he says in Acts 7 and 22 about Moses, and he says, And Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was mighty... In words and deeds. Now you remember as a young boy, 
the king had a decree that all of the boys were to be killed as a baby. And so he was placed in a basket to preserve his life in the Nile River when in essence he was supposed to be thrown into a Nile River to die. You remember there, Pharaoh's daughter recognizes the basket and pulls out a baby. And Miriam, the sister of Moses, has been placed there by the mother to run up then and say, I know a Hebrew lady that could nurse this baby. Would you like me to find her? And she goes home to her mother and says, come back. And they go and and they make the introductions. And so now she says, I will pay you wages if you will nurse this child. Now she is able to raise Moses in a way that he knows his heritage. He knows God Almighty. He now has the roots to make choices. And then when he is taken back to live in Pharaoh's palace... Then he spends decades being taught, according to Acts the 7th chapter, the ways of the Egyptians. Can you imagine all of the languages that he would have learned? It said not only the words, but also the deeds. Can you imagine all of the things that he would have been taught how to do that probably even today might boggle our minds? Can you imagine things that he learned about the economy of Egypt? Because after all, his grandfather was the most powerful man in the world. Can you imagine what his bedroom would have looked like? You know, Solomon talks about that what lured him at one point in his life was wine, women, and song. Can you imagine? He could have probably had any wine that he would have wanted, any women that he would have wanted, and any songs or entertainment that he would have wanted. He wouldn't have to pay to go to a concert. He could have the concert to come to him. Now let's get this straight. Moses, what did you do with all of that prestige that you had living there in Egypt? And I'd like to read to you again now verse 24. We've already read it in Hebrews 11, but I want you to think about the prestige that he had. And it says, By faith Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. If he would have been living by sight, there would have been no way by sight he would have walked away from this. No way. When he turned and walked away from that life, it was only because of faith. Believing that where he was going was God's way. Listen, I can't make healthy life choices if I make it based upon the prestige of this world. But notice as we continue reading there in 25, he said, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God rather than enjoy the passing pleasure of sin. The second thing that he, re- he rejected was that he rejected the temporal pleasure that's associated with sin. I need to recognize the fact that if somebody has sold me a bill of goods that says, oh, sin's not even really that fun. Why, why even be tempted with it? That's a lie. Sin is very fun. Sin has a window that here is called a season. A season where it brings great pleasure. The truth is, for that season, it's easy for us to be convinced that everything else in life can be sacrificed for that season that is there at the moment. 
For example, do you think the night David invited Bathsheba to his house, do you think it was pleasurable to David? Absolutely. No doubt about it. He was willing to sacrifice so much. He was sacrificing his integrity. This was one of his mighty men's wife. Why would you portray one of your greatest soldiers? Because the pleasure of sin for that moment was so great. Living by faith means I can see through the moment of pleasure by faith to realize that what comes after that sin is devastating. Can you imagine if David would have had the wisdom at that moment to say, as great as this evening is going to be, this is going to cost me the fact that the sword will never leave my family. I'm going to have a baby to die because of this night. I'm going to have sons, at least one, that murders another son associated with this night. I'm going to have a son that defiles other women in his harem because of this night. He's going to have son Absalom that rises up against his kingdom. He literally will watch his son die. Why? Because that pleasure of sin was only for a season. The season wears off. Just as winter gives way to spring, the pleasure gives way to a harvest that is painful. When we consider this pleasure, it definitely is not worth it. Well, what was worth it in exchange? Notice in 25, he was going to suffer affliction with the people of God. Whatever I have to give up to be able to be with God for an eternity... That's a worthy exchange. Now note this. We might say, well, you're giving up the pleasure of sin for a moment, but what kind of tribulation are you going to endure? What kind of hardships? Can you imagine when you turn your back on 40 years of living in and around the palace to go 40 years to live where? As a shepherd. Now, if you left the nicest palace in the world, To go out and live as a shepherd, you'd probably think 40 days was a long time to live in that kind of living. But he left the palace to live out there for 40 years. And you say, well, at least it was over after 40 years. Yeah, you remember what the exchange was? After 40 years, he goes and leads around probably a couple of million people that all they can do is complain, and he lives in tents in wildernesses for the rest of his life. Someone says, Moses, was that really a good life choice? Absolutely. It was all about putting God first for eternal rewards. He understood that he was living not for a house whose maker and builder was somebody on this earth, but whose maker and builder was God. So he rejected the idea of prestige by faith, not by eyesight, but by faith. He rejected the pleasure of sin, not by eyesight, but by faith. Now let's notice the third thing here in 26 as we look about what he did with possessions. Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt 
for he looked to the reward. He was willing to suffer whatever reproach that he would suffer to stand with God, no matter how much he had to give up, and no matter how poor he was at the moment. When I read this verse, I almost always think of 2 Corinthians, the 8th chapter. Turn back there as we see what our Lord did. If you think any sacrifice that you sacrifice even compares to this, perhaps this would be a great encouragement to all of us. What did the Lord sacrifice to come to this earth? How wonderful is heaven as a home? And how tough would it be to leave heaven and come to this earth? In 2 Corinthians 8 and verse 9, that is mentioned to us when he says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Can I interrupt myself here for just a moment and remind you the whole passage here? This whole chapter is talking about the principle of you and I giving generously. And it's financially. This whole chapter is about giving financially. And he is urging the Corinthians to be generous like the poor, poverty-strucken people of Macedonia. So that's his first example. And if that doesn't really kind of show us up where he says, I just want you to give like the poor people do. And And then secondly he says, if you need another illustration... Let me show you how Jesus gave. And so he says, I'm just wanting you to give like Jesus gave. I just want you to give like the poor Macedonians gave. Well, how did Jesus give? Look at verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. See, the grace is the gift. You know the gift of our Lord Jesus Christ. We're supposed to be giving back. That though he was rich, that was while he was in heaven, yet for your sakes he became poor. That's when he came to this earth and as a slave, as a servant, and he died the cruel death on the cross in humility, that you, through his poverty, might become rich. Why did the Lord give you? The Lord gave you his riches. In other words, he said, I'll turn my back on the riches and I will become poor so that you spiritually can become rich and do away with your spiritual poverty. You know, even though Moses would not have understood everything that was coming of Christ, isn't it interesting that in 26 it's worded that way, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater than the the treasures in Egypt back in Hebrews 11th chapter. In other words, the Hebrew writer wants us to understand this for our application especially. Whatever we give up to walk with the Lord, It may seem like a sacrifice. He walked away from being the grandson of the ruler of Egypt. But if it was to stand with Christ, we should be thankful to stand even in poverty with Jesus Christ. Life choices. When I make a choice based upon prestige alone, I've made the wrong choice. When I make a choice based upon pleasure alone, I've made the wrong choice. When I make the choice based upon possessions alone, I make the wrong choice. And finally this evening, I'd like for you to see the idea of the pressure. He did not make a choice on pressure, and we'll close. Look at 27. By faith, he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, For he endured as seeing him, as seeing God, who is invisible. 
You know what he could see with his own eyes? He could see a king that was really going to be angry at him because he reached the point where he believed that God's people needed to be delivered. And he went out and he slew the Egyptian. And the next day when he goes out to the Israelites, he's thinking that he'll have their support, but instead they're ready to to not support him and almost tattle on him. And so now he realizes something's got to give. And what does he do? He turns his back on all of that, striving to stand up for God. Did he do the right thing in murdering the Egyptian? Probably not. But in his feeble way as a man, he was trying to figure out how to stand up for God. He turned his back upon the pressure that the king would render toward him so that he could stand with the invisible God. We may not can see God with our eyes, we can't touch him with our fingers and we can't hug him with our arms but brethren he's real he is more real than anyone is that is here because he is eternal God wants us to make life choices based on him and that will require faith because there's so much that he offers that we simply cannot see with our own eyes As we study over the next few weeks the life of Moses, I hope you'll keep some of the things in mind that the Hebrew writer wanted us to see. And I hope you'll also keep in mind that simple fact that he really did make some big, healthy life choices. And tonight, we're about to sing a song of encouragement. Out of an audience this size, there's somebody that's been thinking, I need to get my life right. You've been trying to make that choice, haven't you? Isn't tonight the time to make the right life choice? Eternal life choice. We don't regret doing the right thing. Those are decisions we can live with now and for eternity. We just want to encourage you. As we sing this song, don't let Satan discourage you in doing the right thing. As we sing this song, you know that you have hundreds of people standing around you. That they are on your side. They want to encourage you and help you every way that they can. You have a heavenly host above you. They're on your side. They rejoice. They rejoice when someone makes that life decision. Tonight, can we pray with you? Can we immerse you? What can we do? Let's all.